Glory to God. So we're going to get started in uh, in the message today, and uh, and I, I want to um, uh, do like sometimes uh, TV programs and news pro whatever they make a disclaimer about um, something that's going to be aired or whatever, and I want to say um, uh, ahead of time uh, the message that I'm going to be speaking about today is not intended to bring condemnation on nobody. Uh, I do not, because I don't know uh, the condition of everybody that's here today and what has been a part of your past. That's not um, my purpose in this message. Uh, I will tell you this, and I will bring it out again again later. If there's something like this in your past, um, any lady here, I want you to know that uh, God still loves you. And uh, there's no unforgivable sin here. And... uh, and God can give you the healing that you that you need over that, but uh, nonetheless, we do from time to time have to speak up, Amen, against what's right and what's wrong. Lord knows the other side don't have no problem speaking up, and trying to push their stuff down our throats. So um, we're going to do a little speaking up today. We're going to be reading out of the book of St. John's Gospel, the first chapter. We're going to be reading the first five verses of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, for our Scripture efforts. Hallelujah. Most of us, a lot of us can, can quote this. Um, I've been quoting this for many years, but it's, it's well known. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Verse 4 says, In Him was life. Everybody say life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I want to use from that verse 4 as a text. It said, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And I will speak to you in the next few moments on a subject titled, The Sanctity of Human Life. The Sanctity of Human Life. Let's pray. Lord, as we come today, you have already blessed us so much in this service. We could go home now, Lord, and say we've been fed. But, Lord, there are some things that need to be said on today. And, Lord, I'm asking, God, for you to anoint me. Give me the ability, God, to speak what needs to be spoken in in the way that I need to speak it in today. And I pray, God, that all of our hearts and their minds will be open and tuned in to your word today. In the blessed, holy, mighty name of Jesus, let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Today, as I've already said, is set apart as Sanctity of Life Sunday. It is designated as such so people who believe in the sanctity of human life can pause to remember the tragic loss of over 50 million unborn innocent lives taken in the torture and death chambers of abortion clinics across this land since the infamous Roe v. Wade decision back in 1973. 
The world still shudders when mention is made of the Holocaust of World War II, when six million Jews were exterminated in Hitler's death camps. And we look back and condemn those of that generation who turned their heads and chose to ignore the truth of what was going on. But I want you to consider something today. How will future generations look back on our generation who are witnessing America's personal holocaust, which has lasted over six times longer than World War II and has slaughtered over 44 million more innocent victims than Hitler did? It's a sobering thought. The importance of life in our society today is being pitted against things such as convenience. Where we in America, follow pastor now, we in America have grown so accustomed to comfort that we uh, think convenience is a part of our Bill of Rights. Hello, somebody. We have gotten so fat and sassy, complacent, take so much for granted. Hallelujah. I wonder how many of us, just over the last two or three days, has went to the kitchen sink, turned on the faucet and Poured you out some water to drink. Or maybe if you buy bottled water, spring water, whatever, pull one of them out of the refrigerator, you got chili, and open it up and, and start sipping on it. How many of us, you get the munchies in between meals and you raid the icebox? And the icebox is full and the cabinets are full and you slam the door and walk away and your wife or your husband said, what's wrong? Oh, we ain't got nothing. We don't have nothing. Cabinet's full, refrigerator's full, but yet we don't have nothing. Go to the closet and church time and... And... Uh, Husband, waiting, waiting, waiting. What's, you finally go back there. What's going wrong? What's going on? I ain't got nothing to wear. Am I preaching this morning? I've been to Haiti. I've seen people... Put this congregation, hey, we got one of the most spirit-filled congregations in this town. We got some of the most worshiping people here. But I've been to Haiti, and I've seen people put us to shame in worshiping God. And after service is over with, I've walked up those mountain mountain roads and rocks and, and ditches and gullies way back up in the hills. And find huts with dirt floors and a little 
little uh, 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 and the and and the hut. Hey, we complain. Our everybody, just about everybody who, who works on the platform up here, at one time or another, complained about our platform being too little. We don't have enough room. I complained about it. But I, I walked into people's homes that wasn't as big as what this platform is. Their whole house. The floor dirt. And a little ward tacked across one corner with, with, with maybe, maybe one at the most two pieces of clothes hanging on there. And nothing else that they own whatsoever but a little uh, 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 rolled out pallet type thing, uh, um, that, that, that you sleep better when you buy a sleeping bag to go camping with. You, you rest, but you sleep on something better than what they sleep on. That's the sum total of their possessions. But we over here, we think it comfort is part of our Bill of Rights. We get upset when we come to church and don't worship like we should because our comfort zone ain't right and somebody's saying, they just got it too hot in here. Somebody's saying, they got it too cold in here. Because that's the way that we have been conditioned. You want, me, you want me to tell it just one time short the way it really is? Brother Travis, all of us are a bunch of sport brats. Amen. And sometimes the reason why you have to go through some of the things that you go through is God is trying to wake you up and bring you back to reality. Hallelujah. So... We think everything has got to be convenient. So as much, most abortions that take place in this country take place to accommodate convenience. All the left-wing radicals want to holler about to save the mother's life and all that. Nine, nine times out of ten that is hogwash because there are very few abortions that are performed to save the mother's life. The, I know the facts. I know the statistics. I've been involved with right to life for several years. I've been a president over all the chairman uh, and a chairman over all over Canada's time. And I can tell you, I know for a fact, most abortions are committed because of convenience. That little baby, that little baby, I just if we let that little baby come in this world, it'd just disrupt our lives too much right now. we got to change too many things. If we let that child be born, it's going to put us out some. Oh, God help us. God help us. Oh, Lord, convenience, convenience, hallelujah. 
Maybe if we're talking about a remodel, maybe we ought to strip this place out, throw away these padded pews. Amen. Maybe we need to get us some rocks. Amen. And some two-by-sixes and lay one on one end of the, and let us come in here and sit. Amen. Like the old folks used to do and hope and pray that when you left here, you didn't have no splinters sitting and sticking in certain parts of your body. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So most abortions have taken place to accommodate convenience. But listen to me. Our life was so important to Christ that He chose the inconvenience of the cross to perpetrate life forever. Do you think it was convenient for Jesus to sit there at that whooping post? With that Roman cat of nine tails, amen, every time he went across his back, amen, rocks and chips of bones on sharp edges would stick into his side, and then he, that, old, that old centurion would just yank it back, and he would pull back hunks of flesh every time it would stick in, and he would yank it back out because it would get stuck in his hide, and he would yank, hallelujah, hallelujah, that was not convenient, it was not convenient for them to lay that heavy cross upon his shoulder after going through all of that and making him go up that hill towards Calvary. Oh, but he chose inconvenience so you can have life eternal. Hallelujah. And listen, if our life was so important to Jesus as to suffer the way he did so we could have eternal life, why should we so readily be willing to sacrifice human life upon an altar of convenience? If life was so important to Jesus to make him suffer what he did, how come so many people are willing to sacrifice, amen, life on an altar called convenience? It is high time the church stands up and speaks out and declare the sanctity of human life. Hallelujah. There's nothing that's important as life. Unless you've got life, nothing else is important, nothing else is possible with you. Paul, I might come to you uh, with a, a mask on and a weapon in my hand, and I might steal your wallet and tell me to give you your wallet. And I go off with your money. But you still got a whole lot left. I might, I might walk up to you while you're sitting at a red light. And I might do a car jack. I might, I might just open that door and just yank you out and leave you laying, laying on the street and, and zoom on down the road in your vehicle. But you still got a lot. I can do that with everything you have. But if I steal your life, there's nothing else can nobody can take from you. You've got it all. It's all been taken. 
Without life, there's no hope. Without life, there's no dreams. Without life, there's no possibilities. And without life, there's no future. Oh, God, what has happened to America? The world we despise life so much, and we've allowed to the devil to sneak in a culture of death because that's what we got in this country is a culture of death. It's not too convenient. It's not too convenient for us to keep taking care of my grandpa. He's an invalid. He's on a feeding tube. And man, I'm trying to work. You're trying to work. Brenda's trying to work. Got children to take care of. I mean, we love Grandpa and all that, but and we can remember some good times we've had together, and he's been a help to us, but really there's nothing else he can do no more. And we'd be better if he'd just get on out of the way. And What's wrong with us having a little euthanasia here, and we just cut off that feeding tube and let him starve to death? That's happened in this country. Terry Chauvin was starved to death in this country. If you can't see this stuff is hatched out of the gates of hell and being perpetrated upon humanity, then you need to get back and drop religion and get the relationship we've been preaching about. Because when you look at really the heart of God, there's only thing you can see is life. The Bible said in Him was life. In him was life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is this is at my soul right now. I look back over the past two or three years in my laptop of different messages I've preached on the sanctity of life for the last two or three years. This see some of the things I have talked about. Because I didn't want to go over some of it. And, and I've preached this many times. But as I'm talking to you this morning, I'm so burdened in my spirit. There's a, a ratcheting going on inside my gut every 24 seconds. Every 24 seconds. Every 24 seconds. A beating heart is stopped somewhere in this country every 24 seconds. Hallelujah. There's a couple things that I want to share with you about the sanctity of human life. The first one is life is sacred because it was created in God's image. Human life is sacred because it was created in God's image. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 reads like this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. 
Male and female created he them. The reason why human life is so sacred, first and foremost, is that it was created by God. I want to tell you today that all human beings display the stamp of God's image in their DNA. Hallelujah. Whether you think they're pretty or they're ugly, all human beings bear a stamp. You can recognize those Jews that are still alive that survive places like Auschwitz and the other death camps of Hitler. You know why? Because most of them has got a tattooed number on their arm, Brother Bobby. Where they cut into their arm a number and tagged them, stamped forever. But I want you to know that every human being born in this world, we bear a stamp. And it's the stamp of the image of God. That stamp is in our very DNA. And our DNA is our makeup, what makes us who we are. No other created being, including the host of heavenly angels. And listen, there are billions of angels. Beings, they're, they're without number. There are many, many more angels than there are humans. But no other created uh, being, including the host of heavenly angels, can make that claim. Angels were not created in God's image. Think about that for a moment. And their heavenly state and the glorious state, they still was not created in the image of God. No other created being has the stamp of the image of God in their DNA but mankind. From the very moment of conception, human life stands on the opposite end of the spectrum of all other life forms on planet Earth. We're set apart, and we're different, and we're unique. You've got, Travis, y'all have one beautiful daughter already. I mean, she's beautiful. She's precious. And this other one that God has given you is unique from her. Sarah Faith is her own person. God has designed her in His plan. God's told Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. That's how I come at hold and make no difference with Sarah Faith. Because God knew her. He knew her name. And He was protecting her. I don't, you might think I'm off the deep edge, but I, hey, I think it's very well possible that God just may have had an angel in there holding, holding that child to keep that child where the child should be. Hallelujah. Mm, glory to God. Whew. Think about that. Think about that. Hallelujah. What I want everybody here today to understand 
is something that you won't necessarily hear in every pro-life speech. A lot of people who, who believe in, 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 the, in, in the choice of life uh, are, are not religious people, but yet they understand the importance of this issue, and they understand that abortion is wrong, even though they might not be religious, but yet they, they got enough common sense to understand that this thing's not right. So not every pro-life message that you will hear will tell you this. But I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to get this down in your heart. If you hadn't already thought about it, and, and uh, or, or really uh, uh, considered it all, but there is a spirit behind abortion. It's not just because a few doctors like to get the thrills out of tearing babies apart limb from limb in their mother's womb. But there's a spirit behind abortion. And it's the same spirit which propagates the theories of evolution and atheism. God spoke this strong to me. And I, I never thought about this before. But it's the same spirit that propagates uh, evolution and it propagates the theories of, uh, of atheism. The aim of it all is to remove God out of the picture and place man as his own God, designing his own destiny. That's what it's really about. They want to take God, they want to wipe him off the map, and they want to make, let man, every man and every woman be their own God. And let everybody write their own destiny. What right are you to tell me what I'm going to do, God? Hallelujah. Now, you can identify this spirit when you hear people make terms such as, Well, this is my body. My choice. This is my right. I hear it all the time. My body, my choice, my right. They don't understand it ain't their spirit that's causing them to think that it's the spirit of the devil in there pulling them like puppets on a string. My, 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 my ain't nothing. They, they, they don't have nothing. The devil's got a hold of them all. And it's the same temptation God, uh, that, that the devil enticed Eve with in the garden. The Bible says there's no new thing under the sun, Brother Bob. He says what, ha- what, what is now has been before and what is now will be. Ecclesiastes said nothing new under the sun. And a lot of the stuff that we deal with now didn't start in the 21st century. It didn't start in the 20th century. It didn't start in the 19th century or the 18th or the 17th or the 16th or the 15th. This spirit that is pushing abortion, that is pushing evolution and atheism, the whole thing about my, 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 hallelujah, making you your own God so you can make your own choice, hallelujah, goes all the way back to the garden and has its root in the very first sin. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 6. 
Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like the spirit of abortion started back then in the garden. The spirit of evolution started back then in the garden. Atheism started right then. You shall be like God, knowing good and evil. Hallelujah. So you see, if what atheists say is true, there is no God, then that puts me in the seat of God. I'm the God of my own life. I got the right to make my own choice. This is my body. I can do with it what I want to do. But when God is in the picture, it changes the whole dynamic. You become accountable to somebody, and that's another thing that they don't like. They don't want to be accountable to nothing to nobody. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you something. There's only one God, and guess what? Me or you, either one, is, is it. Hello? And your body is not your own. There's, and there, there's a lot of ways that is. I mean, the Bible says we bought with a price. We're not our own. And then if you're married, it goes one step further. Hallelujah. God tells the husband that his body's not his. It belongs to his wife. And he tells his wife her body is not hers. It belongs to her husband. So, man, we get all, we get all entangled in this accountability thing. In all kind of ways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, that's where it began, folks. And that's what the spirit that pushes abortion. I've got to hurry along. The second thing I want to talk with you about is life is sacred because of the soul's value. First, we talked about the life, life being sacred because it was created in God's image, but it's also sacred because of the soul's value. Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37, the words of Jesus. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? How much is your soul worth to you? You might have a car sitting around somewhere you're not using, you'd be willing to sell. A house, a lot of things. The old saying goes, everything's got its price, but what about your soul? Now, Hollywood makes a lot of that, and they made movies about people selling their soul to the devil and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's nothing no more valuable than your soul. That's the most important thing is your soul. The value of a soul. What shall a man give in exchange for a soul? The soul's value cannot be weighed out in natural terms. You cannot weigh the value of your soul out according to natural things. For one reason, the soul was created, the soul that was created by God is eternal. 
And I'm winding down. I'm fixing to close. But your soul, one thing that makes it so valuable is eternal. It's that part that's like it's that part of you that's like God. He's eternal. He will never end, and your soul will never end. Your body may die one day, and it will it will die one day unless the rapture takes place. But just because it's your eyes closed does not mean that your soul ceased to exist. But your soul is going to live on forever somewhere. It's going to continue. And from the very moment of conception, a soul is created. And that soul is eternal. It doesn't matter how big it is. It's a complete human being. It's not a blob of tissue. But it's a human being. All the DNA's there. Everything that makes it, it, it's right there. And in the midst of it all is an eternal soul. And if I had time, I could bring out the Scriptures to let you know that the nine months gestation period that that child is in his mother's womb, it is the covering of the soul. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. An eternal soul. Hallelujah. All those 54 million over exactly the amount, however they may be. One day, there's going to be a reunion of children that mothers and fathers concede, but they never held in their arms, never fed a bottle to, never changed a diaper. But that child's going to be there because God takes that soul and that soul of that child gets that new glorified body and is in the presence of Almighty God. The sanctity of human life. The sanctity of human life. And we're going to do things a little bit different today. You can. Uh, we're going to pray right now. And uh, what I want us to do is to stand together. And as we pray, I want us to have some focused prayer. I don't want somebody over here praying one thing and somebody over here praying another thing, but I want us to focus our prayer. And instead of having an open altar call, we're going to pray. We're going to talk to God. First of all, we want to pray for the, the women who were deceived by the enemy who may have possibly undergone this that we've been talking about. And we know a fact that the guilt and the burden and the shame goes on and on for years. 
I heard the testimony of one lady in her 50s who had an abortion right after abortion was made legal in uh, 73. And she still, to this day, and I don't remember exact age, she's in her 50s, but she still has nightmares and is awakened in the middle of the night hearing the cry of a baby. God can take care of all that. He can heal that. And we want to pray for a healing to go over this nation for ladies that are going through torture right now. To let them know God's grace is sufficient. Amen? And uh, they can get peace about this thing and they don't have, they don't have to have guilt no longer. Then we, then we want to pray for the souls of all those precious babies that, that are gone. For God just to keep them in His care until we all meet over there. And then the final thing we're going to pray for in this prayer is that for God to help us elect men and women, make them senators, congressmen, and judges who one day we can see this thing overturned. Hallelujah. Let's pray for that right now, all those things to get. Fathers, we come to you right now. In the blessed, mighty, majestic name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you, God, Lord, for your mercy, Lord. Right now, God, I pray, God, for all of those 50-something million women, God, who's undergone the, um, the act of abortion. I know, God, there are many who's going through guilt and going through shame and pain. And I pray right now, God, that you will heal them, God. Give them a healing, Lord, in your name. I pray, God, that you will grant them the peace that passes all understanding. God, that you will grant them comfort, God, to let them know, God, that it's not unforgivable that you can and will and are willing to accept them and wrap your arms of love around them. God, we pray, God, for all the souls of those 54 million babies, and we ask, God, that you will keep them in your care until the day that we gather around your throne. Be with them, Lord. And God, I pray right now, God, for this nation of ours. God, I pray that somehow, some way, that this nation will wake up and see what's going on. That our country and our leaders will realize that this Holocaust is greater than the Holocaust of World War II. And I pray, God, that church people, Christian people, will stand up and speak up, speak out, and that we'll be active at the polls, and we will not, we will not never vote for a no man or no woman who stands and believes in abortion. But we will strive the best we can to put men and women in places of authority that one day we can see this evil overturned in our great land. Thank you now, Father, for your love and your blessings. And I'm asking God that you would take us from this place. Keep us, Lord. God, until it's time to meet again in this evening service. And in your mighty, blessed, holy name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you in the Lord. We'll see you back tonight, Lord's willing.